Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Tonight, I'm humbled, grateful, but resolved in the spirit of my political hero, Robert Kennedy, to make more gentle the life of this world. Thank you all very much, and thank you to 40 million Americans 40 million Californians, and thank you for rejecting this recall. Good night, everybody. I'm Alan Montesilio, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. It is 11.11 p.m. on Tuesday night, election night, and Governor Gavin Newsom has easily defeated the attempt to recall him from office. Uh, Marisa Lagos, KQED political correspondent, co-host of the Political Breakdown podcast, How is it that we already know the results? Well, a total of like 22 million ballots were mailed out over a month ago, and some 8 million of them had already been returned as of Monday. So we had real numbers, millions of votes counted within the hour. And so essentially, Newsom just took this lead that would have been mathematically impossible to overcome, especially when you consider that Democrats have such a registration advantage in this state. There's just almost twice as many Democratic voters as Republicans. um, And we saw a lot of Democrats turn in their ballots early. Obviously, you know, we're talking late Tuesday night. By the time people listen, it will be, you know, Wednesday. So some of this might have changed. But what what can we say about 
some of the the numbers as of now. I mean, I think it's pretty remarkable if these numbers hold and, you know, they could change in either direction, honestly, depending on both Election Day voting and ballots that trickle in after Election Day. But it's looking pretty good for Newsom. You know, in in 2018, he won 62-38. We're talking closer to 66-67% voting no on this recall. Potentially, this looks better for Newsom than even he had hoped. And, And I think it raises some really interesting questions about kind of what's ahead for him. Um, It seems less likely now than ever or than it has in several months that he will face, say, a challenge from the left in 2022. Voter turnout in special elections is usually pretty low. I mean, we just had a presidential election last November. What have we seen so far in, in this special election? I'm honestly blown away. I mean, really, Alan, this is like we knew ahead of time that at least 44 percent of mail-in ballots had been returned. I mean, that's a pretty good number. Some Mm. special elections get like 10, 12 percent. Right. So, yeah, this is statewide, so it should be higher. Um, But that's not counting everybody that dropped off ballots today, people that voted today, people that stuck theirs in the mail. Yeah. Californians engaged in this. Marisa, when I'm thinking about the results here, this thing really did seem close for a minute. But so far, the results indicate that it's really not. What happened? I mean, I think everyone went on vacation in July and like really checked out. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. I mean, think back. So when this seemed close, there was this glimmer of a moment in early August when a couple polls came out. And those polls were gauging what they thought would be likely voters, right? The people that told pollsters, I'm going to vote in this election. And at the time, it just seemed like Democrats weren't that engaged, that they weren't that excited about this race. And I think that... um, in a way, both the Delta variant and then the ensuing kind of COVID debate also partnered with this hair on fire moment Democrats had actually worked to their advantage and, and made it so that a lot of people who maybe were on the fence, weren't paying attention, got those phone calls, got those text messages, were actually contacted by not just Newsom's campaign, but grassroots groups. Um, and they certainly engaged. And and so it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy where the fact that those polls showed Newsom losing might have actually helped to get those voters more engaged. Um, I, I do want to now ask just about the reaction from people who wanted to see the governor recalled. Many of those people are Republicans. You know, in the past few days, we we did see Republicans like Larry Elder, one of the candidates, and former President Donald Trump basically starting to preemptively kind of just make up this idea that the election was going to be rigged. Obviously, now the results are you know pretty decisive. Have Republicans, especially Larry Elder, accepted the results of this election? It seems like he did. I mean, tonight we heard him give a, a, a meandering <laughs> concession speech in Orange County. We recognize that we lost the battle, but we are certainly going to win the war. We're forcing, we are forcing them now to pay attention to the problem of homelessness. We are forcing them now to do a better job on schools. We are forcing them now to do a better job on clearing our forests. I think that, you know, he certainly did not, at least in that speech, repeat some of those fraudulent claims about voter integrity or voting integrity. But um, certainly Elder, at least, seems to be gearing up less for a court battle over, you know, the legitimacy of this election and potentially for a 2022 run. So the good news, Alan, is that there's more Larry Elder to come. (laughs) Because look, 
yes, Larry Elder, as of 11.18 p.m., has over 2 million votes, 2.1 million votes, uh, far and away more than any other candidate uh, on that recall ballot. He really, I think, represents the sort of Trump wing of the Republican Party. That is a wing that has really taken over the National Party um, and that I think the GOP in California has to some extent attempted to keep at bay. And I think that this is just showing that this is really Trump's Republican Party. And, you know, even if you want a kind of kinder, gentler message in a place like California, that's not necessarily where the base of the party is. I want to talk about Governor Newsom. In the meantime, there is a state to govern. Um, Could this outcome uh, affect what policies he puts forward in the last year of this first term? Which, of course, includes running for re-election. You know, we just saw Newsom oversee the biggest state budget in state history, you know, handing out stimulus checks, really digging in on some of these social programs that he campaigned on three years ago. So in some ways, I would say that, you know, he's already kind of pivoted to that reelection. Look, this is going to be seen by a lot of people, I think, as a mandate for Newsom to go even further. That said, a lot of the problems that really did animate opposition to this governor, even among folks who might be part of his base, you know, homelessness, wildfires, climate change, these perennial problems that no one governor can fix, they are going to be even more top of mind. And to your point, you know, he doesn't even get to sleep before it starts again, right? I mean, there are dozens of bills on his desk from the legislative session ending. We still are in the middle of this pandemic. Um, I would expect, if anything, it'll make him sort of dig deeper on some of these progressive sort of policies. And I think more than anything, this really does seem like it was a referendum on COVID-19 response, right? And at the end of the day, that was what Republicans wanted to run on. And Democrats, I think in a kind of surprise twist in this last month or two, really embraced that. And they won. So I I don't think the mask mandates are going away. I don't think the vaccine mandates are going away. And I think if anything, we may see Democrats kind of take this message into 2022 nationally. Marisa, the beginning of this recall, I mean, technically started more than a year and a half ago when the petition was first filed. But, you know, this has really gone on for a really long time, hundreds of millions of dollars, dozens of candidates. I think there are probably a lot of no voters who felt like this whole thing was a waste of time. Do you think it's possible that the recall process could be changed as, as a result of this? I actually kind of do. The question I had coming into this was like, who would take that up? This would have to go before voters, right? Because Mm, our whole initiative, direct democracy and recall system was enshrined by voters in our constitution. Um, And so I do think it'll be kind of fascinating to see if that appetite is still here a year from now. Um, But given the 200 plus million dollars we just spent on this and and how sort of overwhelmingly Californians rejected it. There may just be that political will um, and, a, and a real desire, especially among Democrats who, you know, have a supermajority to just kind of get this done. I mean, you could say it's only happened twice in 20 years, but you could also say it's happened twice in two decades. <laughs> and like it's in my time as a political reporter, this is the second time we've had to cover this story. And just to be clear, if the recall process in California were to be changed, it would have to happen 
through a ballot proposition? Yeah, I mean, you could see a situation where the legislature would place it on the ballot first. They might even pass legislation to do so, but then ask voters to kind of approve it. But yes, to make any big changes, it would have to go to the ballot. One last question for you, Marisa. I mean, you've been covering this for for a while. Since I was born. (laughs) You were just on the air for two hours on the radio. So thanks for making time to talk to us. But I'm just curious for you as a journalist. I mean, what do you think you've learned about California politics, about California voters at the end of this whole process? I think I usually come out of elections in California sort of with a little bit more respect for voters than I went in, right? Because regardless of where you stand policy-wise, whether you like Newsom or dislike Newsom, I'm always impressed that people do engage. Yes, it's not everybody. And, you know, 50% turnout, if that's where we end up, isn't amazing. It would be better if it was 98%. But I think what I come out of this with is that we do have a relatively engaged electorate that people, you know, when they're called upon, do kind of step up to pay attention on both sides of the aisle. I, I think the kind of pessimistic side of me would say it just also proves sort of how hyperpartisan this environment is. I think it's fair to say that a lot of Democrats didn't vote against this recall because they were in love with Newsom, but they were pretty horrified by the alternative. I think there's a lot of people who are frustrated with the political establishment, Democrat, Republican alike. And I I just wonder if voters are going to be asking Newsom for more, given that they just saved his job. Marisa, thank you so much. Hope you can get some sleep. I always love being on the Bay, so I'm happy to do it. For more analysis on the recall results, you can visit kqed.org or tune in to 88.5 FM over the next few days as KQED unpacks the results of this election. Thanks to Marisa Lagos, political correspondent for KQED and co-host of the Political Breakdown podcast. Shout out as well to the rest of the politics team. That's Scott Schaefer, Katie Yor, Guy Marzorati for all the hard work that they've done during this recall. This episode of The Bay was produced by Christopher Beal and Erica Cruz Guevara. I'm Alan Montecilio. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.